We've been studying the life of Joseph for several weeks. And we haven't, I hope it hasn't gotten boring. May have started out that way. But it's been a good experience for me to study the, the life of this man. And I, um, I can't wait till the last one. Not because I want it to hurry and end, but because it just gets down to real good stuff. A guy not too long ago uh, wrote Murphy's Law. Y'all know what Murphy's Law is, don't you? If anything can go wrong, it will. But um, not only is there that Murphy's Law, but there are others, uh, other Murphy's Laws, if that's the way you say it. For example, everything takes longer than you think. That's a good one. I can tell you were excited about that one. <laughs> when things are going well, something will go wrong. Murphy's Law. Some of these you might uh, like better than others. <laughs> when things can't get worse, they will. All right. I mean, even reading these off, it <laughs> Murphy's Law is applying right now while I'm dying up here in this. It's <laughs> saying, on. No matter which direction you ride your bicycle, it's always up the hill and against the wind. Murphy's Law. If you fiddle with something long enough, it will break. Now here's one that all is always true for me. The other line always moves faster. You ever notice that? It, I, I'm always in the wrong line. I, I got to. I, I figured it out. I foxed them the last time I went to uh, Six Flags. I got in the longest line. I mean, there was this short line, like three people. I got in the longest one because I had it figured out. It's the it's the one you think. Will, be, will take the longest. You get in that one. It's always the other one. Sure enough, I was wrong again. It's always, the, the other line always moves faster. The person who smiles when things go wrong has thought of someone to blame it on. <laughs> now, now, the conclusion to all of this is that we have been programmed to, to certain human tendencies because of these laws. Can I say it again? We've all been programmed to human tendencies because of these laws. The problem is we believe what, that, that this is true. I mean, this is reality. And consequently, because we believe that Murphy's Law is the gospel, we are programmed to certain human tendencies. As a matter of fact, there are th we have developed three tendencies that characterize us as human beings. They are, number one, we tend to respond negatively instead of positively. I'm telling you what, there are more pessimists here tonight than there are optimists, by two to one at least. The tendency 
is to react negatively rather than positively. You know, I mean, if it can go wrong, it will. That's what we think. And so we all operate from a negative uh, perspective and viewpoint rather than a positive one. We are programmed to live like that. Second tendency that characterizes us as human beings is this. We all tend to view problems horizontally rather than vertically. We all tend to view problems horizontally rather than vertically, strictly from a human viewpoint. Now we look at a problem from the horizontal viewpoint and we say, oh, what can I do about this problem? What can I do about it? And we set in motion those things that we can do. And we operate out of the, out of the flesh, it's called, out of human strength. And we leave God completely out until our backs are totally up against the wall and an impossible situation. Then we think of Him. Normally, we respond, we view problems from a horizontal rather than a vertical perspective and we see everything as, a, as, as happening from the human perspective. We never consider that problems may be from God. I was... Uh, praying with a person not long ago. He said one of the things that made an Im one of the greatest impacts made on his life was to find that passage of Scripture where it says, and this is from God. And he said, I begin to see that some of the things that happen to me are directly from the hand of the benevolent Father. And I've been considering them problems and tragedies and, and difficulties all along. But we view things from the human rather than the vertical perspective. Third tendency that characterizes us as human beings is that we tend to resist what is new rather than tolerate it. Now I'm talking to some of us old folks now. A guy told me one time, he said, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I'd look at the resistance that older folks had to change, and I thought, that would never happen to me. But he said, you know, as I get older, I, I'm, I have a problem with anything new, with any change. I began to notice that myself as I approached the, the, uh, the, the sunset years of my life. I mean, it's hard to accept the, you know, the change in anything new. We resist that, don't we? Uh, some psychologists interviewed uh, people and, and came up with this conclusion. 10% of the population, uh, as he took this grassroots uh, survey, 10%, if, uh, when you ask them, uh, uh, what about change? Are you for change? You bet. Let's do it. Let's get after it. 10% just leaped at it. 10% said, no way, brother, you're never going to change me. No change whatsoever. I just don't accept change. But 80% said, it was difficult to move to the new. It's difficult to change. Change is painful. Now, with this kind of a uh, uh, program uh, that we operate under, then, then there are human tendencies. Isn't that true? Isn't that the way you operate? Negatively, negatively rather than positively. Horizontally rather than vertically. And resistant to change and anything new. Well, we're going to move tonight into the Scripture and see a man who, fit, who operated in, in these, um, uh, t with these tendencies. His name was Jacob. He was the father of Joseph. 
Now this man had sons. Um, he had two sons later in life. The last son he had, his wife died. The, 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 the beloved of this man Jacob. When she gave birth to Benjamin, she passed away. But just uh, before Benjamin's birth, there was a boy named Joseph. He was the apple of Jacob's eye. You know the story. His brothers didn't like him. They sold him into slavery, into Egypt. And there in Egypt, he, uh, through a, change, a, a chain of circumstances, became uh, uh, you know, uh, important in Potiphar's house, got thrown in prison. There in prison, he lived for 17 years. And, and, and as God's hand began to operate in his life, he was thrust into the second place in, in, in the nation. And a, and a famine came. And so uh, his brothers came to Egypt to buy food and they didn't recognize their brother who was prime minister of the land, but they, he recognized them. You know the story. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And so he said, knowing that these were his brothers, he said, you guys are spies. I know what you've come to do. You've come to look out to find the naked part of the land, that is, the unguarded part of Egypt. You've come to spy it out. He said, no, we're not spies. We're honorable men. He said, well, I'm going to test you. I want you to, you've got a brother. How many brothers do you have? And they told him. He said, well, one of our brothers is no more. He's talking about Joseph. I reminded of, was it Mark Twain was over in England and word came that he, was, he had died and he sent back a message. The, the uh, report of my death is gradually, is, is greatly exaggerated. Well, I, I thought of Joseph. He, they said, well, uh, Joseph, our brother, is no more. And he must have thought, my, the news of my death is greatly exaggerated. Here I am, boys. But he didn't really say it, what he was thinking. He said, I'm going to see if you're telling me the truth. You got a brother down there in uh, Canaan, then, then you leave Simeon here and you go bring that brother back and let me see for sure if you're telling the truth. I'm going to test you boys. What he really wanted to do was to see his brother Benjamin. He was longing to see him. You remember that he put a little money in the top of the sack and sent it, uh, and they didn't know it, but when they stopped to feed the animals on the way, water them and feed them, they opened the sack, found the money in the top of the sack, and they said, what is God doing here? They were amazed because of their own conscience, their own guilt. They, they were stabbed by their own guilt and the grace of God, and they said, God is doing something merciful and gracious here. And they got on down the road to their father's house. And there we're, there's where we are tonight. I want to pick up at verse, really, we start at verse 29. But I want to pick up at verse 35 and let you look there with me. It's a thrilling story. It's a heap better than Trapper uh, John. So uh, hang in there now. Now look at verse 35. Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. Now, it's, now, now when they opened up the sack to feed their donkeys, they found some money in the top of the sack, in the neck of it. But now, as I see it, they emptied out their sacks, and down in the middle was a bundle of money. Look at that, it says, And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were, uh, what would you expect? I mean, if you got 
tomorrow, if you got in the mail uh, a notice that, that Ed McMahon wanted to see you because you had just won the, the, the jackpot sweepstakes, a million dollars for the rest of your life, every, every 30 minutes you get a million dollars for the rest of your life. That's what you know, they promise. I mean, what would you say? I mean, what would you write? You know, fill in the blank. And they were excited, thrilled, grateful. No, they were, I can't believe it, dismayed. And it's amazing that that word is the word you find over in the third chapter of Genesis when God came calling Adam in the cool of the evening and said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, Lord... I heard your voice calling in the cool of the evening, but I was dismayed. I was afraid. And so I hid myself. Same word. Now, now remember the human tendencies that you and I operate under. We operate negatively rather than positively, horizontally rather than vertically. Here was this 10 sacks with 10 bundles of money, and these folks are dismayed by it. Isn't that amazing? Sounds just like us, doesn't it? What's happening here? Something bad happening. Something terrible's going on. Now, and their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Listen to this pessimist. You say, It never happened to me. I'm not like that. Well, is that really right? You have bereaved me of my children. Look, Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. Well, now, in that, jumping to, in that kind of jumping to conclusions, uh, Simeon's dead. I just know he's dead. Uh-huh. They, they came back and said, Dad, he's keeping Simeon down there, and, and we're supposed to bring back Benjamin to prove we're not spies. And, 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 and that's what he said for us to do. And they said, and, he, and here's Jacob, this, this pessimist operating from the horizontal viewpoint. Simeon is no more, and you would take Benjamin. Look at it. All these things are against me. Just kind of whines it out. Everything's going wrong. I mean, this is terrible. I mean, life is crashing in around me. But Reuben spoke to his father. Um, does it strike you that, that, that here is suddenly the sons are counseling their father? I mean, um, in, in, in Jacob, the spiritual leader of this home? I mean, is, isn't he the patriarch who is supposed to give spiritual encouragement to this family? And here's Reuben having to speak the word from God in, in, in the place of his father. Isn't that strange? Um, you know, when I used to start out, when I, when I first started out in the ministry, I used to have parents come to me and, you know, in tears and say, would you pray with me for my kids? You know what I've noticed? Now it's the kids who come to me with tears and say, would you pray with me for my parents? Been a long time, been a long time since I've had parents come with tears to spend any time on their knees 
with me for their children. Reuben spoke to his father, you may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care and I will return him to you. You just give me Benjamin and if I don't bring him back, if I don't bring him back, you can take my two sons. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If, I, if harm should befall him on the journey you're taking, then you'll bring my gray hair down to death in sorrow. You're not going to take Benjamin. Never. You got to catch this with me. You got to hang in there with me to see this marvelous story as it unfolds. For here is a father's pride now who begins to take over. I said he wasn't going, and he's not going. And there's that pride that resists the counsel of his sons. That sound like anybody you know? Does it sound like a father who's kind of set his jaw and put his heels, kind of dug his heels in and says, listen, son, my word is he's not going never. Now his pride won't, won't give way. Now, I see four steps. If you follow it in your outline, I see four steps to the submission of Jacob to the will of God. If you get these, you'll get some clue into your own relationship, your own, your own life tonight. Would you do it? Would you, would you just give me that courtesy, that respect to listen to this? Four steps. The first I call denial and delay. Verses 1 through six, 5. Watch. Now the famine was severe in the land. So it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt that their father said to them, <clears throat> Go back, buy us a little food. There's, there's this delay. Now here's God's will for a man. God uh, is, is God is in this thing. Th this famine is from God. And God is in this experience, but, but, and, and God's will is being unfolded in the life of Joseph, but, but Jacob's not ready for God's will, and so he delays, and the famine takes place, is severe, and finally they eat up all the food they brought back from Egypt. Delay. And denial, he says, go back, buy us a little food. Jacob, Jacob, uh, Judah spoke to him, however, saying, The man solemnly warned us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy uh, our, your, you food. But look, watch my lips, Dad. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. You, you, you read my lips, we will not go down. You shall not see my face, the man says, unless your brother is with you. Denial and delay. Second step, blame and deceit. 
I, I, uh, you say, well, I, I, this is not like me. Yes, it is. It's just like us. Now, what's this little blame game he plays? He says, verse 6, then, then Israel said, Jacob said, Why did you treat me so badly? By telling the man whether you still had another brother? His blame game he started to play. Why, why did you do this to me? You ever noticed that when a man is outside the will of God, he always looks for somebody to blame? Sometimes he blames his own children. Well, if I didn't have kids to raise, you know, I, I'd do what God wanted me to do. If I didn't have that kid, I could be a lot better off. <laughs> Sometimes we want to blame even our own children. He said, why did you tell him that you had another brother? You know what Jacob would have done? He'd have lied. You know why I know? Because it was the pattern of his life. You remember Abraham lied to save his own neck? When the man said, is this your wife? He said, no, it's my sister. You remember that, that Isaac did the same thing when he was confronted with the same kind of issue? You remember that? And then Esau, then, then, then uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob came in. He was the great deceiver. Sure, he would have lied. Somebody asked a little boy, he said, give me a definition of, li of a lie. He said, a lie is an abomination to God and a very present help in time of trouble. That was exactly, that was exactly what the, the philosophy of Jacob, um, if I can't blame somebody, then I'll just lie about it. Now, now notice, it's not just Reuben now, but, but verse 7, look, they say, the man questioned particularly about us and our relatives saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? Underline this, fathers. So we answered the questions, could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? Daddy, how could we answer any other way? Fathers, listen to me. Your sons want you to listen to, you, to, to him. Your boy wants you to listen to him. You notice, you know, and, I, and I, the reason I have the authority to talk so freely about this is because I are a our one. I am a father. And you know, sometimes we expect our children to be perfect. You ever notice that? And the boy said, Daddy, how could we have done anything else? Tell us how we could have answered any other way. Uh, fathers... Your son wants you to listen to him. Mothers, your daughter is trying to get your attention. And have you ever noticed that the, that the moment the children suspect that their parents are no longer listening to them, they become rebellious. Rebellion begins when the parents stop listening. How could we have done any other way? Uh, uh, Father, you, you want us to lie? Can you blame us? Judah says in verse 8, he says, if you're going to blame somebody, you blame me. Then there's tolerance. 
and uncertainty. Look at verse 11. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present, a little balm, a little honey. We're going to buy this guy off. A little aromatic gum and myrrhs, pistachio nuts and almonds. Give him some brute cologne and a, and a little honey and some almonds. And that'll, that'll, that'll move him. We're going to bribe this guy. Now two things, notice that. If it must be so, see the attitude? You see the attitude? If that's the way it's got to be, then you take these things down there and, and bribe him. Jacob is he's skillful at that, wasn't he? That's what he did with Esau. He got this present because he's scared of Esau. When he came, he had all these things. Hey, hey, brother, please forgive me. If you will, I'll give you all this stuff. Here, this will make you feel better. Here, you know, it's exactly the humanistic, it's the, the humanistic response. Uh, where is God in all this? I mean, this is a patriarch. This is a man of God, a spiritual leader of the nation. And he's going to take the human way out. He's going to do it the human way. Take a little bribe down there. See if you can't get your way. It's what we do all the time. We'll do it man's way. We'll operate from the human perspective. We'll, get, we'll, take, a little, um, we'll take a little money and money talks. We, we'll, get, we'll get some guys with a little money and a little prestige, a little status in the land, we'll get our way. We'll use them. Uh, we'll, let, uh, we'll, we'll let the man with a little clout give his testimony. We're going to do it from the human perspective. Why didn't, why didn't Jacob just say, okay, boys, let's get the family around and let's, let's just go to God? Because he always operated from the horizontal viewpoint rather than the vertical. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the reality of this man named Jacob. One last thing in the steps to the will of God, there is guarded fate. Guarded fate and abandonment. Look at verse 13. It's a, it's a heavy one. Take your brother also and arise and return to that man. Oh, Look at verse 14. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of El Shaddai, he said. God Almighty. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of that man. And, and, and you want to say, that's the way, Jacob, you finally coming around, friend. First time he's mentioned, God Almighty, El Shaddai. First time he's ever said, we'll just pray that God Almighty will have compassion. And we want to just stand up and cheer. But it didn't last long. Notice what he says right after that. He says, but as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. I, I guess it's just going to have to be that I'm going to Except the loss of my kids, my boys. Uh, it's all right for you uh, to call on El Shaddai that he'll have compassion. But for me, well, 
I'm just going to have to accept the fact that my boys are dead. Didn't last long, did his faith in God. Now, I want to suggest three techniques tonight by way of application that we ought to, we ought to follow. Number one, recognize and admit your negative mentality. Recognize and admit your negative mentality. Because confession begins, the cure begins with the confession. I mean just right up front. Why don't we just admit that we're negative most of the time? Recognize it and admit it. Second, I hope you're writing these down because I want you to remember them as I try to. Force, force a vertical focus until it begins to flow freely. Force a vertical focus until it begins to flow freely. Now, now something happened to me this week that, that, that brought some pain. First thing I wanted to do when I got that thorn that brought a little pain, that, that thing that happened to me, first thing I wanted to do was, you know, was to get angry and become defensive. And, and, and so, so, you know, I, I, I got out on my knees and I forced a vertical look. I said, well, maybe this is from God. Maybe this thing that's come to bring some hurt is from God. And so I thanked Him for it. And I thanked Him for what it would teach me. And I thanked Him for the reality, the truth that was, that was, that was revealing to me. I, I really did. Now, that's not, the, that's, not the, that's not the normal reaction. It's not what you want to do first. You have to force it. I mean, you don't, you don't say thank you, you know, when, when hard times come because you feel like it. You do it because the Scripture says to do it. And because when you praise God in all things and be thankful in all things, you do it because you know it's what God wants you to do. And it has a, a redemptive and, 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 and therapeutic value to it. And, and so you do it. You just force that vertical look. Lord, this is in your hands. This is your problem, not mine. It's when old Moses began to whine, Lord, what are we going to do now? And that, there was that big army bearing down on them. There was the sea in front of them. God said, I don't know what they talked about over there, but I kind of got an idea. God said, well, look, hey, fellow, what's going on here? He said, don't you remember what you have in your hand? He said, that rod? Moses said, oh, yeah, I remember. That's your problem, not mine. That's your sea, not mine. That's your army, not mine. That's your grumbling folks, not mine. This is your problem, not mine. That's what he's trying to get us to do. That, that, that God is in control. 
and that he can, we, can, we, we let him take care of this business. It's a vertical, not a horizontal look. One last thing. Stay open to a new idea at least five minutes. Stay open to a new idea at least five minutes. Give it a chance. There might be something worthwhile in change. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that that we can just be honest with one another as we study God's Word together. There's so much to learn. That you have such a marvelous and beautiful way to deal with us. And we, ought, of all people, ought to be the most hopeful and optimistic people in the world. God, forgive us because we tend to look for the worst we tend to respond so negatively. We who are spiritual leaders tend to find some terrible thing in everything that happens. Blame others when we should just say, look, what is God trying to teach us? God, forgive us. Give us because we're children who have such a hard time learning. God, now bless this moment of invitation. There might be some here, Father, that need to respond to your will. I pray that you'll speak to our heart ways that we cannot deny because I pray in Jesus' name. Now there are three invitations. Right quickly. First is to come and give your heart to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Him, your sin to Him, your, your soul to Him to be saved, reborn, transformed, changed, made new, redeemed, justified, come to Christ, giving your heart and life to Him. The second invitation is for those to give opportunity to those to join the church or to walk in a closer walk with God as they bring to Him their sin and repent of it, rededicate their life to Him. We'll give you that chance right now while we stand to sing a song, you all know, you come while we sing.